So welcome back to the Backroads Podcast. This is the week six edition. We got lots to talk about. A lot of teams on bye weeks, so uh, we'll get into the games that did happen on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Plus, plus a special guest coming up, the head coach for the Whit Harrell Panthers, a guy who got a very big win on a Friday night. But before then, I'm Craig Spree with Happy Sportsman Network and PressPassports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Bobby, it's hard to be. We just finished up week six. District action begins this week in some districts. Not a lot of them, but in some of them. It's just like the season is just passing us by quickly. It is. I was telling someone it feels like week two, but here we are going into district this next week. And I mean, it's gone really quickly. Well, it's interesting because I went and watched Naz and Wet Hurl Friday night, and I realized that we're starting to get into late September, early October, because it was, I don't know, what, 90 degrees on the South Plains on Friday? But yes. yet, I can tell you, at kickoff at 730, it was already chilly. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Remember, this is late September, early October in the Texas Panhandle on the South Plains. It may be 90 during the day, but it could get down to 60 at night in a hurry. That's true. I was looking through some of my pictures from over the years, and I came across pictures of the Snow Bowl. Remember that game? McLean played at White Deer, and oh, yeah. there was seven or eight inches of snow on the ground. And uh, And I thought, you know, it's not going to be long, and we might have another game like that. No doubt. And it's it's funny because, as you know, I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, it's the 100th year of football for Happy High School, which I know that's the case with a lot of schools, it seems like, this year. And as I go back through the archives, especially in the 50s, it's amazing how many of the times they talk about an early October game. Well, the fans, all 500 of them, were rain-soaked and cold. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my. It's about to hit us one way or another. I've even seen somewhere there was snow the very latter part of October, and it's like, Holy cow, we're, we're right there, and this is when football gets to be fun. It is. I looked at the weather for this next week. The lows are in the 50s, and the highs are in the 70s, so we're getting there rather quickly. And you know that usually happens overnight. One day we'll be 85, the next day we'll be 40. It's, it's crazy West Texas weather. Well, the one thing you can guarantee up here is W-I-N-D, that four-letter word, wind. It's always going to blow. Oh, that's true. That's true. But... But a positive note, it's usually not as bad in the fall as it is in the spring. <laughs> and you have officially jinxed this. Well, oh, crap. I did, didn't I? <laughs> I should probably well, just not say anything about weather. Not, yeah, no, no kidding. Mother Nature, I think, has a, a sixth sense of humor when it comes to, <laughs> to West Texas and the South Plains. But let's let's get started with our program and uh, we'll start out with our interview with head coach Jeremy Holt over at Whit His team coming off a big win over Nazareth on Friday night. So let's bring in here to the Backroads podcast uh, our coach for the week, and that's going to be Coach Jeremy Holt, the head coach for the Whit Panthers. Coach, welcome in this afternoon. Thank you. It's great to be here. Appreciate y'all having me on. So I got to say, you know, we set this up before Friday night's game. How much different would this interview have been if, for some reason, the Panthers had lost? <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I I thought it was because that we beat Nazareth, and um, and honestly, it probably wasn't a whole lot of people that expected that. And I thought we had a shot, but I, you know, I knew it was going to be a a battle. And so, yes, it would have been 
a little bit different <laughs> if we had lost. Well, I, I would blame that on Bobby if that's what would have happened. So, but uh, I was at that game Friday night, and and let's start there and kind of talk about that one. It was obvious that the speed of Shamadric Weaver was just something that Nazareth had a lot of trouble with, as well as a guy that we'll talk about in a minute, Nomar Gomez. But uh, just talk about Weaver and how creative you've got to be on the offensive end to really get the ball in his hands, uh, especially in important situations. Shamadric is a special athlete. Uh, he's very quick, very fast. Um, he has moves that that I really haven't seen and that I'm not used to, and so I'm having to get used to some of those moves. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, you can't do that, and then he makes it work. Somehow he makes people miss with those moves, and he's just a special kid, special athlete. I try to spread the ball out with our athletes because we've got lots of athletes and that helps because if somebody were to focus on Shamadric only, I think it makes it a little bit easier on those defenses. But since we do have so many great athletes that we can spread it out and it, it opens the field up for Shea. No, no doubt. Uh, Jaron Ellard in that ball game, nine of 10, you guys finished 14 of 15 through the air. 11-man, 6-man, flag football, I don't – that is tough to do, 14 of 15 through the air. Yeah. Was there something you saw with that Nazareth defense that you thought could you could be successful through the air, or is the passing game something that you really like to try and uh, bring into your uh, uh, offensive game plan? We didn't plan it that way, but the past two weeks against Throckmorton and against Nazareth, Shea has been 100% on his pass completion um, – Rating and so he's just putting the ball where it needs to be. We're running the routes like we need to run them and uh, doing a great job of working together and doing what needs to be done. When I game plan, I look at route combinations that I do believe will be open and that will be easy to get open on, but I never imagined that it would be such a high completion rate. Now let's go to the defensive side of the ball because you got one of one of my favorite players in six man football, and that's Nomar Gomez. Not the biggest kid, Pro nah. he's speedy, but not the fastest kid. But he flat out just make makes plays. Thirteen solo tackles in that ball game. Talk about what a difference he makes for your defense. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, I was talking to my defensive coordinator Matt White um, during and after the game, and I was just like. Man, uh, Nomar will, whenever he's in position, it's solid. He's going to make a play. And, uh, and, you, and you have a lot of faith that he's going to be there because he is such a hard worker and such a pleaser on the field that I don't know if he knows any other way to do it than how you just tell him to do it. You tell him, go here, and he does it exactly how you say. And so he's – He's a great kid, one of the hardest workers we have, and one of the most coachable kids I've ever been around. He really makes our defense go. And I'll, and I'll be honest, Coach White did a great job of putting together a game plan that freed up Nomar to make plays. Um, he, he allowed some of the other players like uh, Ryan McDaniel to, to take on blocks and things like that that would allow Nomar to – to go and get after it and be freed up. And so I'm very grateful for the coaching staff I have and for all the kids that, that we got out there. They're, it's just a great, uh, very special situation, and we feel blessed. 
So I got to ask him, Bobby's going to love this question. You brought up Ryan McDaniel. Is there a mom in the stands you've ever heard any louder than his mom? (laughs) (laughs) She, she is loud and she is, uh, she is passionate and passionate about Ryan. She works there at the school. Uh, She's a great woman. We're glad to have her, you know, and yes, she's, she gets after it. Man, it's always nice to have fans like that. And yes, you can you can definitely hear her during the game. But you know what? That is really good to hear. Uh, everybody can hear. Her. I wish I had a voice like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I sometimes I'm glad I have my headsets on. You know, I can I can drown out some noise with the headset, and I don't get distracted because sometimes you start listening to that stuff, and you're like, "Hey, what's what, what, did they notice something I didn't or or whatever?" But yeah, I can stay a little more focused with my headsets on. Well, my question comes from uh, being in District Two with Amherst Cotton Center Hart and Lasbuddy. Um, how do you see that district going here starting? Yeah, we start Friday with Hart. And they're four and two right now. And uh, granted, one of those wins comes from a forfeit from Dawson because of the the situation they had there. But Hart's playing really good right now. Their first two games, they lost to Cress and Nazareth. And those are two very good teams. We start off tough. There's nobody we can overlook in our district. They're all tough. They're all talented. There's some teams that are kind of banged up right now, and you may not know how good that they are but uh visiting with with coaches and watching film every team has weapons and we've got to be very respectful and prepare diligently for those teams and then when you look in your region and you look around obviously the balmoray bears are there sanderson is a team that's undefeated and then a team that you used to coach out of nowhere come the silverton owls kind of talk about the region that you're in it's a tough region, and we're going to have our our hands full, and we hope that we can stay blessed enough to stay healthy. And um, really, if we can stay healthy, our strength is in our speed and in our numbers. So if we can stay healthy and use the numbers that we have to kind of wear down some teams, we're hoping that we can we can hang on against those tough teams and make it till the end of the game to to hang on for wins against those talented teams. So I, I got to ask you, you talk about hanging on. I feel like a, as a fan, when you go into Whitherall stands, both on the on the uh, home side and the visiting side, you better hang on. Those have got to be the steepest stands I have ever seen. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, I, and I remember that's the one thing I remember growing up about going to Whitherall too is that when you go out in that cotton field out there, you know, the football field sits in, Right there by the cotton field, and you walk up those stands, you better be in shape because your legs are going to be burning by the time you get to the top of it. They are pretty steep. and Great fans there, great community, lots of support, and it's it's been fun so far. I, we, we were joking Friday night because we figured that was probably an ag project, and the ag teacher told them, hey, we need the metal at a 30-degree angle, and they thought they said 60-degree angle. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely steep. It yeah, is you, better be, you may need some some uh, safety equipment to latch on while you're climbing those bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So we talked about it. You started out in uh, Silverton. That's that's where you grew up at. 
and uh, coached there for a little bit and then uh, ended up going the 11-man route for a while before showing back up in Whit Harrell this year. When you look at six-man, 11-man, obviously the game is a lot different, but there are a lot of similarities as well. Have you been able to, now that you were in 11-man for a while, were you able to bring some of those concepts down to six-man or vice versa, some of the uh, concepts you saw in six-man, were you able to bring those up to the 11-man world? Yeah, you know, and I've heard, I, I listen to y'all's podcast and I listen to some other podcasts, but I've heard some great coaches that I have lots of respect for, you know, Trey Ritchie and Coach Jones and both Coach Jones I've visited with all of them. But, you know, when you get right down to it, football's football. You got to block and you have to tackle and you just you have to have a great work ethic and very be very disciplined. And if you can do that, I believe you can be successful in whatever uh, division or whatever in football, whether it's six man or 11 man, whatever. But uh, yes, I've worked with some great guys in 11 man that when I got out of six man, there were a couple of reasons, you know, I, my last year at Silverton was my first year being married and my wife was a nurse and she was working nights in Amarillo. And so she was driving back and forth to Amarillo and I was coaching at Silverton and it was me and one other coach doing everything. And, and so I never saw, I never saw her maybe, maybe once or twice a week, we were looking for a change, but I also knew when we got beat by Borden County that year, I was lacking in some areas as a coach. I was young and I was probably a little bit arrogant then because I thought I was pretty good, but I knew I needed to go and learn, learn how to break down the game, learn how to study the game and learn how to prepare and face an opponent. And so I, I went and I coached with some great guys. Jason Porton at Vegas, one of my best friends, and he is a great, great coach and he's a great man and he does lots of good things and kids love him so he builds relationships but he also understands schemes and I've learned a lot from him and then I went to work for Brian Wood at Randall and one of the winningest coaches that I've ever been around or I've got to learn you know how he does things and his preparation and his practice plans and uh, everything like that and I've it was a great opportunity for me to use those things. And we talked about Coach Pointer at Seminole, great man, able to handle situations. Like you said, it's always half full, um, very positive man. And to learn to take things from each of those guys and make it my own and come here to Whithill and try to apply it. And it is different, but it is the same. And you got to, you got to, the biggest thing is you got to make it your own and make the kids understand what your program is about, understand that you're there for those kids, that you're going to work hard for them and they'll, they'll return the favor. The coaching profession was where I was meant to be because it's my ministry. And so hopefully I can pour into those kids and they feel the, the passion and the love that I have for them and what I'm doing and, I get it back out from back out of them in return. So well, I've had the privilege of uh, interviewing all three of those uh, guys, coach Porton, coach Wood and uh, coach pointer. So uh, know exactly what you're talking about. Three really good guys at the uh, game of football and just good people in general. So uh, 
Yeah, I definitely sure. understand where you're coming from. And I'm sure Bobby would agree. Hey, your last year in Silverton, you were a really smart man because you got to take care of home first. That's true. That's right. That's right. And I need to say this. My wife and my kids are my biggest supporters. Um, if you follow her on Facebook, she does a Friday Friday morning dance party and my kids are jumping around and having a good time and they they get us fired up and the kids watch it and the community watches it and you know then I'm I'm gone all the time so she's a single mom a lot and she puts up with a lot of things and me missing and being away from home a bunch so I definitely cannot do it without my family at home that that's awesome that, that is fantastic. Bobby, you're going to have to get a link to that because we got to see this. Oh, dance yeah. party. I'm going to, I'm going to need to see that. Yeah. We, we might have to share that out. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, coach, Holt, we do appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Uh, team looked good Friday night, best of luck during district and uh, uh, hopefully uh, for the Panthers, a deep run in the playoffs as well. Well, thank you. We're, we're hopeful and we're uh, looking forward to it. Yes. Thank you. And, we hope to see you in the playoffs here in just a couple of weeks, it feels like. And yeah, um, good luck to the Whit Harold Panthers. Thank y'all. We appreciate everything y'all do for the six-man community. Man, great to catch up with Coach Holt there. Big win for the Panthers, and uh, we talked to uh, with him about that. But they take out Nazareth, the team that was undefeated going into this ballgame, 54-24. to A game, Bobby, that was only 24-16, to Whit Harold at halftime. But, man, Whitherell took it to uh, Nazareth late in the third quarter and all the fourth. The speed of Shamadric Weaver, you and I have both seen it in person. But, it, you you know, they talk about speed kills and, and you can't replicate it in practice. And I think that's exactly what happened. When he gets in the open field, he's just so hard to bring down. He finishes with 221 yards rushing and four touchdowns, five of five through the air, 96 yards, two more touchdowns. And our little guy that we talked about, Nomar Gomez, 14 and a half tackles, 13 of those solo tackles. That, that dude was all over the place. And he's no, he's just not very big. That's what always impresses me about him. For Nazareth, Luke Schulte, 23 carries, 144 yards and three touchdowns. Also had 10 tackles in the game. He played great, but he was harassed all night long by that Panther defense. So a big win there for Whitherell over a really good, I think, in a contending team out of Region 1. Yeah, I talked to Larry, our photographer. He was there, and he's he was very, very impressed with, with Harold's defense. And when he gave the helmet sticker to Shamadric Weaver, Weaver had a special request that Larry give a shout-out and a big thanks to all the Panthers who blocked for him that night. Now, if that's not a helmet sticker-worthy thing, I don't know what is. No doubt about it. Well, let's uh, take a look at the rest of Division Two, and and hey, we got to start at the top because it was number one versus number five, and that is Benjamin and Lorraine doing battle. What a game this was! I kept following it on Twitter, twenty-two to twenty-two at the end of the first quarter, and I'm going, oh my, does Lorraine have a chance in this one? But Benjamin scores eighteen points in the second quarter. They kind of uh, Benjamin outscored him a little bit there in the second half, but it really was that second quarter that got away from Lorraine. But man, hats off to the Bulldogs. The Mustangs prove that they are for real. Uh, just they win this one 61 to 34. Lorraine, I, I don't have any stats on Benjamin. I looked, I tried, I just can't come up with them. So 
hats off. I saw one uh, video with Talon Hayes, I think, scoring. So hats off to Talon. But that's all I can come up with, Bobby. So that's all we got. So, But for Lorraine, A.J. Williams, his speed was a lot of trouble for the Mustangs in the first quarter. We're talking about speed. 124 yards rushing and a touchdown. But I think four Bulldog turnovers were really a big key uh, for Lorraine falling in this one to Benjamin. I agree. And, you know, uh, Williams went out in the first half. I think it was at the beginning of the second quarter. And um, that that bothered Lorraine. It looked like a lot. And so I think if that would not have happened, then I think it would have been a totally different ball game. Uh, but you know how you are when you're when one of your teammates goes out. And and they just never fully recovered. But man, that was a great, great game. And it really was closer than the score showed. No, it, I was impressed with Lorraine hanging with Benjamin in this one because end of the day, I don't know of anybody outside of maybe when they got to the playoffs that really did not think that Benjamin wouldn't win every single one of the regular season games by the 45 point mercy rule. Would I be right in stating that? I think that's what the popular uh, population thinks. <laughs> so, you know, for Lorraine to hang in there the way they did, that, that was impressive. But uh, Benjamin wins at 61 to 30. And you have an odd, <laughs> odd note is not the word for this one. I read it and went, really? I uh, Yeah. Um, uh, we'll get you know, to that in a little bit because <laughs> we need to talk about superstitions. But the refs at that game um, have a... Um, Something they do before every game as a refing crew, and we'll get to that just a little bit. <laughs> just, just keep the number thirty-three in mind, and it's not the thirty-three you're thinking. <laughs> of. I promise you there. Let's look at the rest of Division Two: Balmoray over Fort Davis, sixty-six to thirty. Uh, number four: Richland Springs. Number five: Cherokee were both open, uh, which takes us to number six: Jayton, and they fall in this one to Spurs, sixty-two to thirty-four. The little bowling ball: Corey Hamilton, three hundred and fifty-seven yards and eight touchdowns. And we'll get to it near the end of our podcast, but that was not even the most yards gained in the state uh, by a long margin. But uh, Hamilton with a really good game in that one. Sean Staniland for Jayton, 9 of 18, 146 yards passing and two touchdowns. Jaden Rivera, Bodie Ham combined for uh, 134 yards receiving and two touchdowns in that ball game. So, uh, Spur, that, that surprised me a little bit, taking out Jayton there, 62 to 34. Well, you know, they they had no answer for Corey Hamilton, the freight train. Uh, he He started running downhill early in that game, and he just kept going. Uh, on down, uh, number eight is Silverton. No problem with loop of 59 to 14. It, just, just to put that out there, it always makes it sound odd to me to say Silverton ranked in the top 10. We just haven't seen it in forever. We number haven't. Nine, <laughs> number nine, Klondike, all over the Screaming Eagles. The from O'Donnell, not Minnesota State. Go look up the reference from the 1990s for you youngsters. Creed Warren in this game, 148 yards rushing and three touchdowns. And I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to try it anyway because he deserves the uh, the effort here. Euphemio Ortiz for O'Donnell, 18 carries, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Sorry, Mr. Ortiz. I'm sure I messed your name up, but we tried, right? Maybe <laughs> we should call him E. E. Hey, I like that. Just Big E. We'll call him Big E. Yeah. I don't know. He might be a little dude, but we'll call him Big E anyway. And then finally, uh, wrapping up a Division Two, 
Number 10, Paducah falls in a flat-out barn burner with Follett, 62-60 to 60 in this one. Shane Franks, four touchdowns for the Panthers. He also had a kickoff return for a touchdown. This one was wild because Follett looks like they're going into halftime on top. They score a touchdown with 18 seconds left. Oh, no. Paducah comes on down. They score again uh, with six seconds left at half. So if they go into half on top, Follett gets up by 12 in the second half. Next thing you know, you look up, and with a minute 30 left, Paducah is uh, – sorry, with four minutes left, Paducah is on top uh, 60 to 54. Follett, ensuing drive, they go down, they score with a minute, and I believe it's a minute and 18 seconds left. End of the day, Paducah drives down. They throw a long pass and complete it down to their – to the Follett eight-yard line, but they're out of timeouts. They can't spike it in time. And oh. the Follett faithful cheer loudly as they uh, win this one, 62-60. to 60. And Paducah missed the two-point conversion kick uh, at 60-54. to 54. If you don't think those kicks are some of the most important things that happen in six-man football, you do not pay attention. They are extremely important. And that one went into overtime, right, Craig? No, that that was regular. That was regular. Uh, was that uh, regular? regular yes. Wow, wow, that's crazy. That was a, that was a good game. I was watching it on the scoreboard as well because you know they had some turnovers on both sides, and and I thought maybe that would shake things up a little bit, but neither team gave up. No, they they definitely didn't, and uh, it's just, it's it's hard to win in Paducah. That is a tough place to win it always has been since my days in the 80s going down there to play mine too yeah you've had teams go there it's just an unbelievably difficult place to go play especially basketball (laughs) (laughs) and you would know that very very well i would know that (laughs) so let's move on up now to uh, division one and we will start with no, not the number one ranked Westbrook Wildcats. It's the number one ranked Abbott Panthers. And as you like to call them, the spider monkeys all over Borden County in this one, 46 to nothing. Abbott was on top in this one quickly before I think Borden County even knew what hit them. Riley Sestala, the choir boy, 123 yards rushing and three touchdowns on only nine carries. Joy Pavelka, two receptions, 80 yards. Both of those to the house. Ishmael Rodriguez doing his best after being out a couple of weeks. 11 carries for 65 yards. But, man, the Panthers are unbelievably good. They're unbelievably young. And they have an unbelievable number of names on the roster that I can't pronounce. No, I can't either. Um, <laughs> I, it's, I love that they have those names, but you're right. They are very hard to pronounce. I saw them, and, you know, I, I I've been – telling people all season Abbott 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 and I mean you've made reference to Terry Crawford not wanting us to to talk about Abbott too loudly because you know he's perfectly happy hiding over there let me tell you they're for real they are for real I've heard murmurings the last few weeks that Abbott's not as good as everybody says they are well you better rethink that they showed up and showed out let me tell you and they just go to work and they're solid they have weapons all over the field they have some weapons standing on the sidelines waiting to go in i'm telling you abbott panthers they're the real deal folks 
They definitely are. However, I will tell you, when you look at their roster, Vanna, can I get a vowel, please? I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, even if I would have taken I've got, I've actually got the, um, the program for Abbott right here sitting in front of me because I brought it home after the game Thursday. I have a hard time with some of these. And I think that if I asked Coach Crawford how to pronounce these names, I would not remember. <laughs> I, I mean, don't... I had a hard time with Kofel, so. <laughs> how funny. Well, let's go on down. Number two, May, taking on one of our favorite schools, at least from a name standpoint. That is the Burnett Smoking for Jesus Ministry and the Tigers all over the Eagles in this one, 58 to 12. Damian Salinas, 141 yards rushing and two touchdowns and only six carries, eight tackles, had a fumble recovery, took the second quarter off and said, Coach, I'm done for tonight. Braden Steele, the coach's son, five of six, 125 yards through the air, three touchdowns and six tackles. The May Tigers continue to flat out roll. Number three, Rankin, all over the Lubbock Titans, the home school out of Lubbock, 62-12. to 12. Barrett Jackson, 109 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Blake Wise, just another ho-hum night, 6 of 8, 149, and four scores through the air. Takes us to number four, Garden City, and Coach Jones, one of our favorites there. He takes out Van Horn, 81-36. to 36. Preston Dellinger, four carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown. And some big dude named John Lopez, two carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Four receptions, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he also had an interception and a 14, 15, 16. Who knows how many tackles he had in the ball game? Uh, so uh, Garden City, uh, that's a good Van Horn team, but uh, they take them out 81 to 36. Yeah, that Garden City team, John Lopez, every every week I look to see how many tackles he he's got because, you know, he's not only very good on offense, but he's excellent on defense. Well, he was doing some work again. Number five, Westbrook. I promise you, they probably are glad they were open. I don't know that anybody's had a harder schedule to start the year out than Westbrook. They were open this week, so uh, they got to rest up a little bit. Number six, Erion County, all over Lakey, 61 to six. Trevor Kofel? Kofel. Kofel. Four of six, 73 yards, three touchdowns. Keegan Wadsworth, nine tackles. J.J. Harrison, a fumble recovery, and a pick six. Number seven, Happy, the team I cover, they were open as well. Number eight, Jonesboro, all over Austin Hill Country, 81 to 35. Number nine, Gordon, over Santa Ana, 62 to 14. And number 10, Knox City, 52 to nothing over the Panthers from St. Joe's there. Bryson Callaway, four of eight, 88 yards passing and three touchdowns. Luke McGahee. One reception, 56 yards. He took that one to the house. And for St. Joe, Lee Yaley, nine carries, 42 yards. And that kind of wraps up the top 10 in both Division One and Division Two. And and we talk about it, just a kind of an overview here, Bobby. Abbott looks really good. May is better than I think anybody expected. We know what ranking. We know what Garden City. We know what Westbrook is. I think Happy and Knox City are hiding in the weeds. People better watch out for them. Erion County is one of those teams that uh, just kind of, you know, they, they keep winning. They keep winning. So you got to watch out for them. And uh, Gordon is a team to look out for as well as Jonesboro. Division two, man, we got a great matchup with Cherokee and Richland Springs coming up this week. That will tell I'll, us. Uh, I'll, I'll be there. I'm be going. There yes, one. I'm going. I'm going to that game. Um, I think that's going to be a war. And I can't wait to watch that. 
Definitely. So, uh, you know, Benjamin obviously looks like the top team. I, I think Lorraine is somebody people are going to have to watch out for. Uh, if As long as A.J. Williams is not uh, hurt and they can stay healthy, that's a big one there. Paducah scares me. They've been in a lot of these games. Silverton has proven that they can do something. And a little team called Jayton, uh, man, they've had a really tough schedule as well. You can't overlook them. And as long as Shamadric Weaver can run, Whitherell is in a ball game with that speed. So, you know, you look at that, it, it's crazy. And and let's uh, kind of move on down and look through the rest of what went on across uh, the state and a, a few things to get to. McLean still undefeated. Yes, the McLean Tigers undefeated at 6-0. They beat Will Dorado 65-16. Amherst, uh, Amherst, hey, they're quietly a solid little ball club. They take out Claude 49-28. to for Claude, Bregan Conrad, 267 all-purpose yards, three rushing touchdowns, and a passing touchdown. Crest and Whiteface back and forth all night long before Coach Reeves and the Ruse take it. Uh 58 to 50. Quavy Ellis, 129 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. Also had 69 yards receiving and a touchdown. And for the Antelopes, Ethan Kaufman, 163 yards on the ground. Uh, Jeremiah Rendon, 14 of 29, 175 and four touchdowns. And Julio Branda. 131 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, also had 70 yards receiving and two scores in that one. That was a great ball game there between Cress and Whiteface. Yeah, I was watching that score too. I was wondering who was going to come out on top. Um, I think that was pretty much a toss-up. I think they went at it really hard. They definitely did. A, a team that's quietly, if I remember right here, 5-1, and one, the Blanket Tigers over Avant, 68 to 22. Levi Vasquez, 179 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Mason Beck, two touchdowns, both of those to Isaac Smith. Blanket, a team that we don't talk a lot about, but uh, they've got a good record out there, as well as the Zephyr Bulldogs all over Brooksmith. They held Brooksmith to only 37 yards of offense. Jaden Milliken, 141 yards and six touchdowns in that ball game. Uh, real quick, want to talk about if I can find it here. Aspermont still undefeated. They take out Newcastle 38 to 24. Miami downs Groom 38 to 36 in overtime. Another wild and crazy game. Miami's up by two. They hold Groom literally at the one inch line to start the fourth quarter. They get the ball back, take it 79 yards down the field and score. They're up by two scores. Groom then, uh, sorry, Miami then scores twice. So Groom. Comes back down the field. They score with 40 seconds left. Miss the two-point conversion kick. It is blocked. So they go to overtime. Groom scores in overtime. The two-point conversion kick is short of the goalpost. Miami gets the ball back. They hand it off to Luke Wheeler on a first and goal from the four. As he's plying across the goal line, his helmet gets ripped off. And oh. He's like a bowling ball. 5'11", 195. It comes flying off. He scores. And then Hayden Thompson... It almost, and it's hard to tell from the angle that I had, but it almost looked like he might have hooked it in the left uh, side of the uh, cross post, and Miami wins that one in overtime, 38-36. to 36. Crazy, crazy ball game there. Rising star over Woodson, 54-6. to 6. Jake Bell, 124 yards through the air. He completed three passes, all three of them for touchdowns, all three of them to Blake Wilson uh, for 131 yards. Dakota Higgins, a kickoff return for a touchdown as well in that one. Hey. How about the Campbell Indians? Coach Pritchard picks up the win over Trinidad, 59-14. to 14, And, you know, he's a, he's a lot of fun to cover on, on Facebook. I follow him on there. and He was absolutely ecstatic at the presence of the fans at the Campbell game. And that's just great to see. 
you know, he's trying so hard to build a program there and, and it's tough. They're in a tough district and it's just tough to get things going, but a big win. And man, he was just unbelievably thankful to the fans there in Campbell. He was, and it was Campbell homecoming. So uh, I think he said that was the most fans they'd ever had. And so that's an exciting thing for the Indians. Um, I know it's been down in the past, but he's building a program there and, and the people will come. They will. Uh, a couple of final scores to get to here. Tyler Heat yesterday takes out Strawn 104 to 68. Coach Lee has probably not seen this many points scored in who knows when. He's been in some barn burners this year. And then we talked about it, and I want to bring this one up finally. Leverage Chapel, the Lions beat Oakwood 94 to 72. High scoring affair, right? How about Zach Nickerson for Oakwood? 35 carries. 489 yards and eight touchdowns on the season. Now Nickerson has almost 1700 yards rushing and 32 touchdowns. Unbelievable there by Zach Nickerson in six weeks in six weeks. That is amazing. That is <laughs> just amazing. It, it is. I, I had to have that one in here. Cause I just thought that, that those are just even for six-man football, those are crazy, crazy stats. 489 yards in one game. That that's that you know that oh Zach Nickerson, he was tired, tired, and probably slept a lot yesterday. That's a <laughs> lot of running. That is a ton of running. Well, let's kind of wrap up football here. And, and believe it or not, Bobby, so we're six weeks through. There are only, assuming that my calculations are right here. 14 teams left who are undefeated. Eight in Division One, six in Division Two. In Division One, in Region One, McLean six and zero. Nobody in Region Two, which is kind of funny because I got to think that we all thought with the with the Westbrook and Rankin and Garden City, it was somebody sitting there. Somebody would be undefeated, but they're not. We move on down to Region Three. Gordon and Union Hill both five and zero. Abbott six and zero. Man, you look at those names and you're like, that's going to make for some fun playoffs. And then in Region 4, Erion County, 5-0, May, 5-0. But then check out these two names. It's not ones that we mention much. Robert Lee and Medina, both 6-0 out of Region 4. Those are unexpected things that, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, how sometimes those teams just show up and you're like, wait a minute, what happened there? What What's going yeah. on? And so um, I'm very happy to see those two teams up there, Robert Lee and Medina, uh, with a 6-0 and record. Let's see how this district um, starting this week plays out. Most definitely. And, and you talk about it, Erion County and Robert Lee both in the same district. So that should be interesting. And the Medina sitting there, and man, it looks like it's their district to take. McDade, Prairie Lee, Lakey, and Nueces Canyon all with a losing record. So may hear a lot more from the Bobcats moving forward. Uh, let's go to region two, six undefeated teams, Sanderson at five and O Aspermont and Benjamin, uh, Aspermont six and O Benjamin five and O Oglesby is six and O and then Cherokee and Richland Springs each undefeated. And you just go, Holy cow. Because you know, you look at those teams. I don't know that any of us expected Aspermont to be undefeated. I don't think we expected Sanderson to be undefeated, Oglesby to be undefeated. And then you go, oh, Cherokee and Richland Springs this week. Let's go. Right. I know. One of them, one of them will have a loss on their record after next Friday. And the, 
I bet that it's going to be a fight to the end. It definitely will. And that's a great uh, transition there as we'll look at the games coming up this week. Cherokee at Ridgeland Springs obviously highlights things as well as Benjamin on the road at Paducah. We talked about how hard it is to win in Paducah, so the Mustangs will be traveling there to the Dragons. And there's some other interesting games going on. Jaden at Aspermont. Uh, it's going to be a test for uh, Aspermont there with Jaden coming to town. Happy at McLean. Number seven, Happy going to McLean. McLean undefeated on the season at 6-0. and You're going to find out in a hurry how good you are. And, uh, you know, if they win that one or even play in it, they're going to raise eyebrows quickly in Region 1. Spring Lake Earth at Whiteface. I think that should be a really good ball game, as well as Nazareth at Miami. So that's a look at uh, games coming up next week. And, uh, you know, we talked about it, Bobby. There's district play going on. Some of these teams are, are you know, kind of finishing off things. But, oh, my goodness, we're going to, you know, we're five weeks away from talking playoffs. Oh, I know. I know. And then we'll have to worry again about the weather getting to and from games. <laughs> you know, they don't do these days like they did back when we were in high school. You went no matter what was happening. <laughs> Snow, ice, tornadoes, it didn't matter. You were going to that game. So I'm I'm very excited and we're going to look up and I think the next five weeks are going to go as quickly as the first six did. And then we'll be into week 11. Well, you're, you're definitely right there. Well, let's uh, take a look at some notes. And we told you to remember the number 33 when we talked about the Benjamin-Lorraine game. And it has to do with the referees, but I, you are the one that's going to have to do this one justice. Oh, boy. Okay, so, you know, we've talked about this before, how coaches are superstitious. Well, obviously, refs have jumped in that boat as well. Uh, the refing crew at the Lorraine-Benjamin game were caught putting um, Brute 33 all over themselves prior to and, the game. And anybody under 30 goes, what? Yes, I you know, I didn't even know that Brute 33 <laughs> existed anymore. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty green bottle, if I remember correctly. Isn't it green, Craig? I think that's right. I never uh, wore it, but, you know. <laughs> I was I was a Dracar guy myself, but it's a, uh, oh that, my that gosh. Makes you feel old. <laughs> Again, anybody under 30 is going, what are they talking about? I know. Brute 33 is a very strong men's cologne. And the refereeing crew out of Abilene, who were at Lorraine and Benjamin, Jonna, our photographer, saw them putting the Brute 33 on on the field, actually. And so she, of course, had to ask. And they said that if they don't, they usually put it on in the dressing room, but something happened with the timing. So they just brought Brute 33 out onto the field. And um, they told her if they don't cover themselves in Brute 33, then the game goes south. <laughs> if they do, wait, if they do cover themselves, then uh, they'll have a really good game. But if they don't, the game goes south. But at that game, I'm pretty sure they could have had a truckload of Brute 33 and the Benjamin Lorraine game wouldn't have gone well for them. So, <laughs> so uh, right there, I, I, I don't even, I, yeah, me too. But anyway, so if you see 
a green bottle, not to a brute 33, not to be confused with polo because I do love that smell. And that is old school. <laughs> Anytime I smell polo, I don't care who's got it on. I'm going to follow. <laughs> That's how funny I am about that. But you ever see that? Uh, we got cologne and refs on the field. I'm telling you, this season has has gone crazy. <laughs> well, well, A, you got to smell good when you throw flags, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. And we walk yeah. over to the coach. And don't you, don't you like the brute coach? It, it's well, great here. you don't want to make him pass out. I mean, have you ever been stuck in an elevator with someone with too much cologne or perfume on? Uh, no doubt. Yeah, I make you it, cough and <laughs> eyes water. I mean, thank yeah. goodness they're outside. But I think just thought that was a funny story. It's just hysterical. Um, so shout out to those Abilene refs who love Brute Thirty Three. Um, keep it, keep using it. <laughs> now here's the other funny one, Bobby. For any of our coaches who are fifty years of age or older, you just gotta wonder what is hiding in their medicine cabinets and what could they pull out and say, Hey, you just mentioned a few names on the podcast. Guess what? I just found in my medicine cabinet. Hey, you never know. And there's some stuff that still isn't in, in exist. I guess you could get it online or something, but Hey coaches, if you got some, uh, something akin to brute 33 or in that age period, time period, uh, let us know because I think that's pretty funny little, subject area don't you craig I, I am i am definitely with you one other note that you got to bring up uh and uh this one more along the serious lines but uh it comes out of sierra blanca yes so um in the past when we've gone to sierra blanca to uh take pictures dency always said you know they have a chain gang that's been working their chains for the vaqueros football games uh for a long time one of those chain gang members is Joaquin Hawk Bustamante, and he ran the chains at every Vaquero football game for more than 20 years, and he took great pride in it, and he loved, loved football. Well, unfortunately, he passed away recently, and our prayers go out to the Bustamante family, but you know, Craig, 20 years is dedication, and I just have to say what an excellent volunteer Joaquin Bustamante was for the Sierra Blanca Vaqueros. Uh, doing the chain gang for over 20 years, that that's a lot. I mean, it, it's it's some work down there and you got to show up for every game. You do have to love it. So definitely thoughts and prayers going out to the Bustamante family. And that's the fun thing about six, man. I, I think that we've got multiple stories out there like that where guys have been running it or ladies have been running it for a long, long time. And it's just probably more than in the bigger schools you see it in six man and they just love their football they do and i know he loved it and his family reached out to us so we're so proud to to bring this to everybody but keep the bustamante family in your prayers and if you want to volunteer for your local six-man football team i bet you anything a coach would let you run the chain gang I have no doubt about that one. Hey, let's finish up football with helmet stick sticker winners. You brought up Shamadric Weaver. Uh, he won it for Whit Harrell and uh, wanted to give the shout out to the lineman who blocked for him. Uh, also in that game, Luke Schulte uh, was the winner for Nazareth. I know Luke personally, really, really good kid. And, you know, it's a fun thing. When I look through this uh, list that you've got on here, 
Uh, I don't know Zach Lewis personally, but I know his parents, and they are great people. I see he won it for Borden County. Uh, the choir boy, Riley Sustala, the sophomore from Abbott. I know. Uh, <laughs> he, he wins it as well. But, uh, you know, just talk one more time about the helmet stick winners and, and exactly what you're looking for, because it's not always the best player on the field. That's part of it. But the sticker winner really is someone who shows good sportsmanship and gives 100% effort, has a great attitude, and, you know, is a good player on defense or offense. It's very important to show, you know, you can see character through body language and and uh, the photographers, as a photographer, I'm on the sideline and I can hear every word they say. Um, they may say think that they're saying things quietly, but I can hear things they say. You know, I can hear a kid lifting his teammates up and saying, you've got it. You know, everything's going to be great. So those are the things we're looking for. And some other helmet stickers uh, for week six was Luis Hernandez, a senior from Lomita. Jesus Morales, a senior from Eden. Jadrian Lamones, maybe I said that right. I hope so. He's a junior from Lorraine. And when I posted this, um, I thought this was awesome. John Lyles, for a senior from Benjamin. And so many people come out of the woodwork to tell John uh, congratulations. And they called him Big John. So I think we got a new name for John Lyles from Benjamin. Big John. Big John. <laughs> yes. There's a song out there, right? We, we, should, I, we should have that one queued up. Big John. I yes. Yes. Tell me about it. That's a great song, too, by the way. And then um, at the end here, this was actually a Thursday game. Brandon Vasquez, a sophomore from Loop. And then Cooper Cox, a senior from Silverton. So congratulations, Helmet Sticker winners. You're all really great in our book. Keep up the good work. Don't let down. Um, also, Craig, I didn't put this in my notes so you could read it. But <laughs> so I got this. um idea and so you know how everybody wears the little silicone bracelets and they yes. have stuff on them well i went ahead and ordered some for texas one egg fan and on one side it says go forward and do good and on the other side it says texas one a fan there they they are red with black writing and so what i did i i had them thursday and um Anytime I see anyone doing anything good, let's say you see some trash, it's not yours, you pick it up and put it in the trash, guess what, you'll get one. Anyone who's doing good stuff without thinking if is someone watching me. Um, also, I gave them to the managers on the football team. I mean, all those managers, they do all kinds of hard work and they, you know, I thought they deserved it. So, so if you see me at a game and you do something really good and I catch you doing it, I'm going to give you one of these bracelets and they're really cool. That's awesome. Well, that, that, that'll be good. And, uh, I'll make sure the next time I'm around you, I'll pick up some trash or something. Maybe I can get one of those. myself. I, I think I can probably spare one for you, Craig. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's going to wrap up football. Let's uh, finish the show off with uh, some volleyball and, uh, cross country. Yeah. Volleyball and cross country. And, uh, 1A Volleyball District has begun. We talked about football about to start. Well, volleyball is it going. Uh, in a month, district will be complete, and certifications due into the UIL by October 29th. Uh, and the playoffs by district will be October 31st, yes, Halloween, to November 1st. Areas November 3rd through the 5th. The regional quarters, November 7th and 8th. The regional tournament, 
November 11th and 12th in the state tournament, November 16th through the 19th at the Curtis Colwell Center there in Garland. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you talk about teams who are trying to make that trip to the Colwell Center as we look at the top 10 poll for September, September 26th. Yes, Fayetteville, still number one spot. It seems like they're cemented there, but um, as of September 26th, which was last Monday, the record was 30 and three. Chester suddenly appeared at number four. Klondike jumped from number nine to number five. Netches is back up to number six from number 10. Dodd City reappears in the top 10 at number seven. And Benjamin and St. Joe still in the top 10, but fall three spots to number eight and nine, respectively. Rochelle takes the number 10 spot. And then Richards and Perrin Witt fall out of the top 10 this last week. So top 10, Fayetteville, followed by Blum, Very Best, Chester, and Klondike, Netches is at six, Dodd City, Benjamin, St. Joe, and Rochelle. The district is happening now, and so hopefully we'll get some good information about district and who's winning each one. No doubt there. So that's volleyball. Let's turn our attention to cross country. Um, we talked about district certifications. The deadline for that is in two weeks on October 15th. Uh, regional cross-country meets are in three weeks on Tuesday, October the 25th. Uh, the regional sites with competition times, handbook links are up on the cross-country page on 1afan.com. Nice job there by Bobby. Uh, she's searched everywhere for Region 2 at Angelo State, and she can only find a general page. Uh, so all the handbook information on that site is from last year, not this year. So hopefully uh, Angelo State will update that soon. And I promise you, the first person to find it will be Miss Bobby Brown. Uh, district to region, don't forget the top three teams and the top 10 individuals shall qualify from district. Shell, huh? I like that. Yeah, uh, shall. District to the regional meet. An individual qualifier may also be a team member of one of the qualifying teams. And then region to state, the top four teams go along with the top 10 individuals not on a qualifying team will qualify for the UIL state meet. So much fun cross country is about to get just flat out barn burning for us. And I know that you, thanks to uh, Chris Langston, have got some uh, great information on Region 3. Yes. Uh, thank you, Chris, for sending Region 3. He's been trying to keep up with all those girls over there. And so um, in the last two weeks, these are the top time earners from Region 3. We have uh, Shaylee Straysner from Miller Grove. She had a 1330 at the Sulphur Springs Invitational on September 24th. Sydney Parton from Pretty had a 1331 at Old Settlers Park on September 23rd. Lindsay Maupin from Dodd City had a 1353 at the Denison Invitational on September 24th. And Avery Weathers from Slidell ran a 1338 at the Alvord meet on September 21st. So lots of good times there coming out of region three, looking forward to all of that because we, uh, you know, you talked about it. I know that the uh, district that happy's in, they run not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday there in Plainview. Uh, you got Nazareth that runs during that, both the boys and girls doing well. Text line obviously is coming out of I think district two. Uh, they're up there. Jayton, is one of the big teams in region one. So just really looking forward to cross country. It'll be here regional meets before we know it, but can't wait to get those times and start looking at it. And just so people know, if you don't think cross country matters, go talk to Isaiah Billingsley or Brandon Passmore. 
I sorry, Passman, two young men doing battle in the Southeastern Conference. Yes, the SEC at Auburn and Alabama. Yes, it does matter. It does matter, definitely. Speaking of that, we got we don't have a lot for six man uh, Lehman six man one hundred one, but we have a little bit, and I thought this was kind of cool information. So we're going to talk about the nineteen fifty five champions that were touted in the nineteen fifty five edition of Six Man Football Magazine. So I have the first three regions. I do not have region four. I don't know why it wasn't in there, but um, hopefully I'll get that by next week and get it to you. But region one, Buna. Is that how you said that? Buna. I think that's right. Yeah, Buna. Buna won it. 1955. Region two was Garden City. Man, Region... Jeff Jones was doing a heck of a job in 1955, wasn't he? I'm, I'm telling you, he's he's immortal, I think. <laughs> and then you have Region three, Sydney. Um, here's some interesting stats from Texas in 1955. The longest place kick made from the field was Charles Robert Robinson from La Prior, and it was 26 yards. Hmm. Um, after TD place kicks, highest percentage, Alfred Dunlap from Trinidad, he uh, kicked through 43 of 56 for 76.8% percentage. And here we go, Charles Robinson again from La Prior, 24 of 34. Charles also was number one in kickoffs over the goal line in uh, 1950. That's an interesting stat to keep track of. Isn't it? I can't imagine counting that now. And then you have Travis Kohler from LaPrior also made the top 10 um, pass receivers list of 1955. And we're going to end it with Jim Nelson of Garden City made the list for most passes intercepted. So obviously defense has been something that's been around Garden City for a while now. Definitely. Well, you know, Jeff Jones has believed in it since uh, he he took over the helm there in 1951 and it's still a, <laughs> a backbone of what happens for the Bearcats today. So I'm sure I'll hear something from Jeff Jones about that. I'm uh, sure I will. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that would put him like at what, 90 or something. <laughs> that, that, that would definitely make him the Dean of coaches around here. You can guarantee that one. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, so much to talk about. Lots of fun again this week. We do appreciate Jeremy Holt from uh, Whitherald joining us uh, with our coaches interview. Lots of uh, great scores out there. You know, 489 yards rushing still just boggles my mind, even in six-man football. Volleyball, cross-country, we got district and regional competitions coming up before we know it. So, uh, Bobby, let's get out of here because we got another one of these coming up next Sunday. Lots more to talk about. But until then, I'm Craig Spree with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Remember, go forward and do good. <laughs>